good morning, good afternoon, good night, whenever you're listening Ooh, to this. All the options. I all like the that. options. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Genuine Ground. This is Mackenzie. This is Sarah. And today we have a special guest. Yay! Not just any guest, okay? Sarah and I are big advocates of therapy. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be fun to bring on a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. However, this is not just any therapist, okay? <laughs> This therapist <laughs> is my mother. Hello, <laughs> so dramatic. Hello there, darling. Welcome. Inter- welcome onto the show. Thank you. My mom listens to every single episode of Genuine Ground. Mm-hmm. She cringes sometimes. <laughs> this is true. So introduce yourselves. Let everyone know who you are, where you're from. I'm Nina from Michigan, like <laughs> Kenzie. Yes. Um, I'm a psychotherapist. I would say my... Sh- Specialties are couples and individuals. Okay. I do some, see some younger people, but mostly couples. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So we wanted to bring you on today because I think, like I said, Sarah and I are really big advocates of yes. therapy. We both go, we both love it. And I think that there's a really big stigma around therapy sometimes, especially mm-hmm. with like the younger generations. Absolutely. Um, especially we do have a big male audience as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of guys are against therapy. Yeah. So I think it's something cool to bring attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, so why, why do you think that there's a stigma against therapy? I think there's just always been people don't want to admit that something's wrong. Yeah, I um, agree. I would say though, I mean, I almost kind of like disagree with as far as age goes. I would say the younger generation, women mm-hmm. predominantly, are really interested in therapy. Why do you think? I mean, do you have a lot of young male clients? I don't have young individual male clients per se. I have mm-hmm. some young couples doing premarital therapy or mm-hmm. some counseling, you know, just early in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think guys are a little bit more nervous about it. For sure. Why do you think that is? I just don't think they're used to talking about how they feel about something. That's true. But Guys I, aren't used to talking about emotions. Yeah, I, I think more so than than girls, obviously. But I do think once they start and they understand that it's a safe space, they're not being judged, mm-hmm. um, it gets better. That's good. That's true. Because I, I know that I really want to always talk things out. So that makes total sense. And I feel like guys aren't the ones that voluntarily want to talk about feelings. Yeah. So why would they? True. I noticed. Find a therapist. I would notice too with some of my couples. The way I, I run couples therapy is the first session is always together with the couple, kind of see where they're at, and then I always do one individual session with each of them to understand mm. each person individually what their history is a little bit. Oh yeah. And if they want to share anything like not in front of their partner. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I meet with the males alone, they will share so much more with me than they generally will with their partner in the room. Okay. I think they're afraid of being judged. I want to dig into that a little bit more, but I do want to first ask the question for, you know, other people listening. Obviously, Sarah and I have Mm -hmm. gone to therapy. You're a therapist. You kind of helped me find a therapist, I guess. How how does someone go about finding a therapist? And finding a therapist, because I've also gone to a therapist that I did not feel like fit my Mm -hmm. personality. I have as well. Or I didn't feel comfortable sharing all aspects of my life kind of thing. Well, that's a really, I think it's a really personal choice. I mean, I have a lot of clients who I have a great relationship with them. They will refer me to a friend. And I always Mm -hmm. get nervous about that because just because I have a really great relationship with this one client doesn't mean it will carry over to another person because it's a different person. Um, But I do get a lot of referrals. The other way I would, I just normally suggest to people is psychologytoday.com. It's, um, 
you know, you can search by your zip code. It's nationwide. You can search by your insurance. You can search by uh, male, female therapist, what their specialty is, what they, you know, if they have a sliding right. scale rate, etc. Well, when I was in college, I used psychology today. And what I liked about the website is you can read people's biographies mm-hmm. and you can see kind of like their personality by base of what they write. And you can see yeah. their photo too. Like, yeah. oh, does she seem like a cool girl or like can whatever. I talk to her? Yeah. yeah. That reminds me of a good point. So colleges oftentimes have a lot of resources at the university for therapy sessions as well. So if you are in school, that's something to look into. Yeah, but I think outside of college, I mean, I know friends that are like, hey, we want to do couples therapy or like whatever, or, you know, hey, how do you find a therapist? And I think it's good. Psychology Today and obviously too, I mean, depending on the person, not everyone wants to, you know, talk about therapy. I think Mm -hmm. we're very open about it to each other, but not everyone is and that's fine. Yeah. But I think it's a great, um, well, obviously I have you as a mom who's a therapist (laughs) who's like Mm -hmm. recommended it so much. Um, And obviously I can't come to my mom with everything because she is my mom and, you know, she does kind of have a bias on my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is good to have someone outside of your family and outside of your friend group that doesn't know anyone but can see your situation from the outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like I've had a lot of friends who said that they really want to do it, but they just never pull the trigger kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, for me, it took me to get to kind of a really low point to realize that I needed to go, but I wish looking back that I had started going when I first started thinking about it. So I could have, you know, established more of a a baseline and it just makes me sad thinking about my past self that I I needed it. You know, I think everyone needs to go to therapy. I think it's really important to I would say though, for me being in the, you know, the other position, I've been to therapy myself too for years, but being on the other side of the couch per se, Mm -hmm. um, it's a weird job. Yeah. You know, people coming in and really sharing their secrets or their fears. I mean, that's just not something people do every day. No. Right. So, okay. How would, so like I said, there's still a big stigma, I feel like with therapy and some people like the term counselor yeah. some mm-hmm. people like therapist or you know your shrink kind of you're thing. gonna get meds or something right mm-hmm. so as a therapist though I think sometimes people think that therapy you know that you dig up past problems and that's part of the process I feel like and kind of like you know digging into why you are the way you are but like how would you define your job what is what is your goal at the end of the day with your clients I think what I usually say to my clients is therapy is sort of an unlearning you know, we have patterns in our life that, I mean, most people come into therapy because they have patterns that are getting them stuck or they feel stuck or they feel unhappy or they just, I don't know, they keep doing the same thing over and over, etc. But I think therapy is an unlearning. Like what, what got you to think the way that you do? Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. And it does take digging into your history a little bit because we come from a family. We come from, from a family that, you know, shaped us, whether we... We know it or not, it, that's where it, that's where it all comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we did ask our IG community some questions <laughs> of what they would ask a therapist. I thought it'd be cool to talk about and you know share you know what the people want to yeah. hear. Yeah, there's some good questions on there for sure. Um, you want to start with the questions? Yeah. Okay. So we what, kind of already talked a little bit about the typical age of clients. Um. So like what, how old do you think you're, or when do people start coming to therapy? Or yeah. when do you think it's more common that people come in? I would say probably a little bit. Most of my clients maybe are in their thirties. Okay. But then again, I mean, that's maybe a, like half of my clients. I have 
a handful of, I have a couple people in high school. Mm-hmm. I have some younger couples. I have some younger females in their 20s, you know, your age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have men that are anywhere from their 30s, 40s, 50s. So, but typically they're older. I would say typically. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Hmm. Maybe they just have... I, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Maybe just more stressors. Maybe there's, you know, they're just tired of, um, their patterns or and starting to look at like, okay, something needs to change more and maybe, maybe more self-aware that as okay. people get older, they, they do then start to look inward versus yeah. blaming outward. Yeah. Does that make sense? That does. So do you typically have clients that are with you for a very long period of time or does it, do you notice any trends in the ages versus how long they stay with you? Not so much. Okay. I mean, I have some younger female clients that have certainly been with me for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I have older clients like that. I mean, it just sort of depends mm-hmm. where someone's at. I'll yeah. have somebody who comes in for maybe eight, nine sessions, and then they disappear for a year, and then they're back on for yeah. the next six months. I mean, okay. it's just it's kind of all over the road with that. Also, do you think that you have more people that come in for individual therapy, or do you have more couples? I would say overall I have more clients that come in to start as couples. But then depending on what happens in couples therapy, and it could be a range of things, um, if they decide not to do couples for long term, mm-hmm. I usually will end up with one or both of them individually. That's great. Okay. Okay. And I know you talked about you were doing like, you do pre-marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Do you think everyone should have <laughs> pre-marriage counseling? Like if, if you're in a long-term relationship, do you think it's like vital to have therapy? I think premarital go. I can't talk. Sorry. <laughs> marital counseling is crucial. Yeah. Um, most people don't know how to have a good relationship. Okay. So, I mean, I think they don't understand, you know, depending on what their family of origin was like, mm-hmm. most people didn't learn really good skills and, and how to have a really good relationship. So I do think it's mm-hmm. important to come in and talk about yeah. communication and how to fight or how to not fight, etc. to learn to talk about sex. A lot of mm-hmm. people are like terrified to talk about sex. So yeah. Those are all things that are important. All right. So I'm going to point <laughs> you to a personal question. It's a personal question, I guess, for both of us, because obviously you're divorced from my dad. And I didn't see an ideal relationship. So how do you feel like you can talk about, I don't mean this in any bad way, but like, how do you feel like you can talk about wow. relationships? Wow. She so just went there. I, I am going there because I think it's a good, a good conversation because like, I mean, we talk about how it's easier to give advice than it is, you know, absolutely. You know, I no, And I think you, you do have a really good question there. And I would say that, um, maybe 15, 20 years ago, when I divorced your dad, you're what, 23? It was a while ago. <laughs> um, I would not have been able to give any kind of good advice or mm-hmm. instructions right. on how to have a good marriage. Yeah. Granted, I it's live and learn, life experience. It is eight years of my own therapy. It is um, watching hundreds of couples and seeing what works and what doesn't True. work. Right, okay. Because I do feel like you are in such a healthy, happy space right now. Like you're probably the happiest I've ever seen you as being your daughter, like in my lifetime. And that's so cool to see. Um, and you've been doing therapy for a few years now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you went back to school and everything, but I mm-hmm. think you truly found your calling. And now you have clients that book you out for months. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you're obviously good at what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I hope so. I mean, yeah. some days I have no idea, but I just try to do my best. <laughs> 
So going back to some of the questions that we got. So we got a question from Instagram. Someone asked, how do you forgive yourself after a mistake, especially in a relationship? Hmm. I would want to know what kind of mistake they're referring to. Because I I tend to say it's like, I don't, we don't make mistakes though. I mean, we do, but we can't really Mm -hmm. hold ourselves too harshly to mistakes because we know what we know until we know something else. And that's Mm -hmm. how I look at it. And instead of looking at yourself so harshly, like I made this mistake rather than like appreciating, okay, what did I learn? What can I do differently next time? And have some compassion for yourself because we are human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to do stupid things. We're going to do things that are irrational um, when we're reacting to something. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's just typical human behavior. Yeah, that's fair. So we kind of were thinking a little bit more about different types of mistakes, right? So kind of wanted to dig into cheating. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you, do you think someone can come back after cheating? Like, do you think a relationship can still work after someone cheats? Hmm. I do, but it takes a lot of work on the couple, both of them. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of work on the person who has betrayed their partner to mm-hmm. really understand how much they hurt that person. To mm-hmm. you know, be able to really apologize and and do that for a while. Mm-hmm. It's not just you say I'm sorry for a week and oh come on we need to move on. That doesn't work. Right. And then it's getting into why did the cheating happen to begin with? That is this a person that this is their kind of their personality? They're you know that they're a cheater and there are those people. Right. Or is it someone who'd been really lonely in the relationship and unhappy for a long time and didn't know how to ask to get their needs met? There's right. I mean different things sure. that come out of this, but I would say. Um, I, I, again, it really depends on the couple. I I would say a lot of my couples struggle to get past that Mm -hmm. because when trust is broken in a relationship, it takes a long time to really, really get that back. And it's, and the only way to do that is just time, time Mm -hmm. and consistency, time and consistency. And I mean, you look at the research on, on cheating and it takes about like two years for people to get to a better space. And that's what them working at it actively yeah. working mm-hmm. actively working right yeah. yeah and that i feel like is a part that's usually missing i mean because wow. i can talk about this on personal experience everyone mm-hmm. knows that i was cheated on um i've talked about that on the podcast before but i was cheated on and i tried to overcome that and try to forgive i mean you know this i tried to forgive dylan for that and then i think he led to cheating on me again because then i was so sour and i held so much resentment, resentment. Mm-hmm. i was so upset and i felt like I deserved everything in the world because you sucked as a person. You cheated on me in the first place. So um, I think I I held a lot of resentment, but then it's obviously I wasn't great in the relationship because I wasn't being a fair partner. Resentment is probably the the most volatile thing to a relationship. Oh, for sure. It's really, really hard to get past resentment once Mm -hmm. that's already grown. Right. Oh, that's tough. I mean, it's hard. So, So also, too, I mean, we're talking about betrayal and, you know, distrust. Do you think like lying is cheating? What if someone just, I mean, obviously I think everyone's been caught in a lie at one point. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? I I mean, I don't condone lying at all. I think lying is just shitty behavior, but it's, what what are the person's intentions in the lying? Mm -hmm. You know, I I see that a lot of people, I find like a lot of people will lie in the relationship if their partner doesn't make honesty, doesn't create a space for honesty. So Mm -hmm. like, let's say, um... I ran into um, an ex-boyfriend or something and I didn't want to 
tell somebody I was dating that I did that. And it's like, what's the intention? Because if, if my current partner is like, oh, cool, you're in so-and-so, how did that go? Was it awkward? And we could talk about it. Yeah. But if someone's like, oh, and they're all of a sudden like accusing me of something or getting really, you know, um, making me feel like I did something wrong, then right. I'm probably going to lie because yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to lie, but, but somebody is more apt to lie if mm-hmm. the other person is just going to react to them with anger. Exactly. So why do you think people get so upset so easily like that? So like triggered. So like, why would the person or why, why do you, why well, would you that find... person might already have, you know, trust issues in general. And we so all have different take triggers. it out on the person. So previous for sure. Hmm. Previous we all come with a history of how we feel about everything. Yeah. So I guess, how do you deal with that aftermath? Okay, so let's say yeah. let's say a situation happens, okay? Like big blow up, big, fight, something, Something blah, blah, happens. Blah. Okay, so, okay. For example, my ex-boyfriend cheated on me. I Let's say I told all my friends. He has Your swung, family. I told my family, and I want to welcome that relationship back and try to give him a second chance. Mm-hmm. Not saying I would, because that, that relationship's <laughs> done. But hypothetically, all hypothetically, yeah. hypothetically, how would someone try to do that? How do you deal with that with the aftermath? Yeah, like, I think if, there would be a lot of nerves going back into those situations with the family, with the friends. Right, like, like okay, so if you are the person wanting to give someone that second chance, well, I and you think, don't have... I think people just need to... The, it's To me, I always... The couple has to create sort of a barrier around themselves as a couple. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what the family thinks. I mean, it's like with you and I, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, your ex-boyfriend I didn't care for and you you knew that. (laughs) She did not like it. But I'm not going to, you have to figure that out for yourself. I can can let you know things. But I think when people make mistakes, if if they can own up to it and, and, you know, the family sees that people are actively working on things to make it better. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it's really none of their fucking business. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, it just isn't. Yeah. And if you want to make your relationship work, then you do whatever you can to make your, your, your relationship work because your family mm-hmm. doesn't live with you. They're not a part right. of that. You right. have to protect that. So I like that. So last night we'd all gone out to dinner with all of our friends. And mm-hmm. one of my friends asked you like, Hey, what do I do? Cause she knew you were a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, what do I do about this one girl that like kind of threatens our relationship, but like we're mm-hmm. all friends, like she's not going anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And you had said something, it's like you, you and the other person are in this bubble mm-hmm. and you've got to like protect the bubble. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite couples therapist gurus, um, Dr. Stan Tatkin talks about the couple bubble. Mm-hmm. And the couple, bubble. <laughs> the couple <laughs> bubble. I mean, I think it sounds a little cheesy. No offense, Dan. I really actually love you, but um, it's true. You have to have this, like I said, this barrier around you too that protects mm-hmm. you from all the outside stuff. And the outside stuff could be family. It could be a buddy. It could be a girlfriend. It could be anybody who starts to infiltrate your couple space. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't allow for that because yeah. that little by little, you put little cracks in your foundation and it, it's harder to repair. Yeah. I really like that concept. See, yeah, like I agree, but there's like also this balance too, right? Like, okay. I had my couple bubble with my ex-boyfriend. I was like, you know what? I, I don't care what you think. I just want you to be nice to him. Like, I'm welcoming mm-hmm. in this. But there's also a balance, too, of like, okay, how do you listen to your friends and your family if they don't like someone? But how do you also keep that couple bubble? And like, mm-hmm. what is that? What well, does that balance I mean, this, like? this goes to as well, like, you have to learn to listen to your own instincts. Mm-hmm. True. And your friends and your family are important and if there's a consensus that most of your friends and your family do not approve of your partner on some level mm-hmm. they're uncomfortable you really kind of look need to take an honest look and is there something i'm missing yeah because mm-hmm. they do want what's best for you yeah that's that's true 
Oh, that is a hard balance. Because I do remember, I mean, when I was younger. Because I think it's important for both. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to protect your partner, but it's, like, also, too. Because, like, I've talked about as well is I think it's also important in relationships that you don't tell your friends and your family everything. I agree. Because then sometimes mm-hmm. you paint your person to be this bad guy. In a negative light because you may only accidentally be sharing the negative things. Because not everyone's perfect and everyone's yeah. going to make mistakes. No, and moms will hold a grudge. <laughs> They're protective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember, like I was saying, when I was younger, I dated this guy for a while that like no one in my family liked. And I'm like, what? But I was just, I was young and mm-hmm. just so determined to convince them wrong and sure enough they were not wrong you know and I felt stupid but I but I think that's what happens too is your ego kind of gets in the way you want to prove people wrong like no I want to make this work I mean Mm -hmm. I mean people have the reasons of why they stay and want to try to make a relationship work yeah which Mm -hmm. isn't a bad thing Fighting for what you want sometimes. It can yeah it can be Oh we've talked about this like even our in our last episode we were talking about like okay well we knew maybe this person wasn't our person but, but we, we still stayed for a while. Yeah. And it takes until you figure it out for yourself. So I stayed in balance. a marriage that I was miserable for, for 12 years because I didn't want to be divorced again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, when yeah. I look back, I knew, I basically knew when we were getting married at our wedding day that I'm like, Oh fuck. Wow. What am I doing? Yeah. But I just didn't want to be divorced again. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, we're going to make this work at all costs. Wow. I think this brings up a really good topic because mm-hmm. I know so many people where it's like, I was this one girl that I was at the pool with a, with this group of girls and this girl goes, yeah, my sister just got engaged. I'm like, oh, that's like so yeah. exciting. I'm like, whatever. And she goes, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And she Uh-oh. goes, I don't think she like really likes him, but it's like on her timeline to get married. At she, this wants, she wants a husband. And I think that's such a thing. And I think yeah. kind of like our generation's escaping that idea a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's still such a thing. It's like, okay, by this age, I want to be married. By this age, I, I want to have, have kids. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that terrifies me. I mm-hmm. do have some of my, a couple of my younger female clients are all sitting there like, I want the ring. I can't wait to get the ring. Mm-hmm. And they're anywhere from like 23 to 26. And I'm just like, you know, that scares me because it's like from 22 to 30, I feel like there's so much emotional growth and change in a person. Yes. And if you think about just brain science, your your prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're 25. So think mm-hmm. about that. We're not even full adults yet, to be right. honest. <laughs> um, and then... Wait, I, don't, I just want to interrupt you for one second because you would send me this post on Instagram where it was like, if he's over 25 and he still has red flags, blah, 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 like oh. his prefrontal cortex is developed, like you need to run. That's the way he is for the rest of his yeah, life. There's, well, Good to know. We, we still know that women tend to mature faster than boys, but anyway. <laughs> just kidding, sort of. Um, uh, where were we? Um, oh, we but the, the time the timeline of things. Yes, and yes. you know the thing I talked to people a lot about, it's like, where does that come from though? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the Disney created yeah. this, this feelings about marriage, all those movies and mm-hmm. being rescued and all that. And then you think of like the, the diamond industry created the whole engagement ring thing and yeah. they promote it to younger people. And it's like society has just advertised this Mm-hmm. idea that this is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scares me because then I feel like most marriages, what, 50% end in divorce. Oh, so yeah. is that just like figuring out, okay, well, this is my, I'll get my first one out of the way. I mean, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's almost like people want to get to that happily ever after so fast, but yeah. it's like, that's not your happily ever after. There, that's your life. But ha- Exactly. Happily ever after isn't a thing. You have to work at your relationship. Every day. And that's what, when couples come into therapy, 
I explained to them like, okay, I can give you all the tips and tricks and tools. Mm -hmm. You have to work at this stuff every single day. Make the Because if you just get into autopilot, which that's a whole nother conversation, but if you mm -hmm. just get into this mode where you think your relationship's going to run on its own, you're mistaken. Yeah. You have to be conscious. You, have to, you have to put an effort. You have to make the choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Kind of on that then. So say that there's a couple and they want to do couples therapy. Mm -hmm. But say one of the partners isn't down for it. They don't want to go, but... That happens a lot. Okay. There's so often couples come in and one person has sort of given an ultimatum to the other to come mm -hmm. in. Okay. Um, it's typical. So, and, and I think a lot of times it's one, the other person who doesn't want to come in feels like they're going to be blamed for everything or whatnot. And what I try to do is create such a safe space early on and letting a person know that there's no blaming. Okay. I mean, I look at, well, actually no one's safe. I, mean, I sort of blame them. <laughs> I mean, there's going yeah. to be blame on both. There's right. good things in both, but I want to hold both person accountable. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, I don't want to stereotype, but let's say a woman brings in her husband and she's like, he's doing this, he's doing that. And like, mm -hmm. okay, but what do you also do? Because you play a part in this cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's your dynamic? Mm -hmm. um, but I will say, if you do have somebody who's really, really resistant um, you can't force them mm -hmm. and it, mm -hmm. it just makes things uncomfortable if somebody actually doesn't want to do the work. And then yeah. I say, if they really don't want to be part of it, that kind of tells you something about where they are at mm -hmm. in the relationship. Yeah. Right. You know, Would you suggest to maybe a couple like that to maybe have the individual start off just going to therapy on their own first? As often, well? often okay. that, that will be the case. So where they feel just one to get comfortable with therapy yeah. itself and then not to feel like. It, I mean, couples therapy is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is easier if, if each gets started with individual therapy for a little bit, gets comfortable with the idea, does some mm -hmm. internal self-growth work. I mean, because couples therapy too, it's it's like me juggling, trying to get the couple doing better, but having them individually work on themselves at the same time. So okay. it's kind of a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's also, you know, you're dealing with two people and two people's issues and two people developed and experienced life in two different, totally different ways, ways. Mm -hmm. and yeah. that's why it's like when you put two people we talked about this like when you're living with someone you have two people with two completely different experiences you're throwing them together and then you got to figure it out mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. when it comes to putting dishes in the dishwasher everyone does it differently like yep. it's just like their way. everyone's very different and they've all witnessed different relationships mm -hmm. well the thing that we often say in couples therapy is if you're trying to win or you want your way to be right you're going to lose because it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's what's the solution because there's it, it's otherwise, if you're just trying to win, mm -hmm. what do you win? So <laughs> you won the argument, but your partner feels like they're the loser right. and that doesn't make anyone feel good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's like you win and then it's like, okay, you win the argument, but then what? Right. Like, what are like, okay, cool. So, but then, then built resentment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other person's pissed off and then you're just like, okay, like I'm on this pedestal for a hot moment until the next argument. Oh yeah. So right. it's a bad cycle. Uh, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And I feel like too, now I've had, you know, a decent amount of relationships where I'm like, okay, cool. Like I learned so much from this relationship and I've learned so much about people mm -hmm. from you. And you know, we have other episodes planned where we want to talk about certain <laughs> things of why people are the way they are. Yep. But now I feel like I can't see people the same. <laughs> oh, and now I'm like, oh, I avoid yeah. everyone and I'm like, I'm done with everyone. Um, and I think that's hard too, because one of my friends and 
there's another joke that you said to me the other day. One of my <laughs> friends goes, Ken's, you're not going to get married till like you're like 45. <laughs> like, she's like, I feel like you don't like anyone. And I, I, I laughed like about anyone. it, but then it was funny too, because you were like, you're like, yeah, your, your little brother's probably going to have kids before you. Because <laughs> she had told me, she's like, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought you were going to be the one with the family. Like, she's talking about grandchildren. I'm yeah. like, mom, I, I never you're... talked about grandchildren. <laughs> you talked about it the other day. I, in a laughing way, I'm open to grand dogs. I, grand dogs are great. But she goes, yeah, she's like, you're going to have a grand. And she's like, actually, your brother's probably going to have a grandchild before you. And I was like, oh, thanks. And she's like, well, you're probably not getting married until you're 50. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, so now we're up to 50. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do not recall saying that, but you did say that. I was. I, but I'm. Nervous. But so I, but the thing is, is I look at. <laughs> I don't want you to be in a hurry for that. There's like yeah. plenty of time to have a good relationship and meet someone that yeah. you feel is really your partner. Yeah. Or, I mean, I. You're very busy with work and you know creating a life for yourself and your podcast and your friends and. I don't want you to rush through all that. Right. That's there's no advice. hurry. Yeah. Yeah, and I think. I mean, we've talked about this too. I mean, it is, I don't feel like I have that timeline. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel like I don't feel like I do either. And I, I feel like I'm one of the few. Right. But I think we also talk about too is we don't have that timeline, but it's also hard not to think about it Mm -hmm. when we see so many people getting engaged Yes. or having babies or, you know, like so many people are in these like relationships and then we're just like, (laughs) and they're buying their houses together and all this stuff. We're kissing our wine bottles. What's up? Yep. <laughs> you know? So it's it, we do have those reminders in, yeah. in this stage of life. And it doesn't then, mean you don't want it, but yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think, not that there's like a rush to get in a relationship, but I feel like too, it's like people get in relationships, everyone's getting married, and then people kind of feel like there's no people left if you don't get married by a certain time or something. Isn't that crazy? Mm, there's plenty of people left. Yeah. I mean, I do think FOMO is a real thing for people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I always kind of look at it from the standpoint of if you're thinking about marriage being the rest of your life, mm-hmm. why are you rushing? That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. but I, on, the, on the flip side of that, I do understand for women... I mean, if we're 35 and not pregnant yet, that's considered a geriatric pregnancy. I mean, so there is like just health and body issues to that Mm -hmm. biologically for sure. That's fair. Mm. Get that. Okay. Great food for thought. Great food for thought. Mm -hmm. Going back to some of our questions, we kind of dug into those. Someone asked, how do I stop overthinking everything in the entire universe? <laughs> I'm uh, victim to this too. Me, I'm so guilty. Too. You know what? That too. is probably the, the single most common thing we talk about in therapy really? is okay. how to get out of your head. Yeah. And this will, let me give you a little bit, just of a minute on this because I don't know how we are on time, but um, 98%, and this is correct, this is research, 98% of what we do and think every day is autopilot. So how you brush your teeth, how you drive your car, how you put your clothing on, everything is just autopilot because your brain likes to be efficient. But what is also efficient is your thought process. I mean, the things you think about yourself, things to think about your family, your friends, about the world. You think about them that way today, largely yesterday, the week before, five years before, 10 years before. We were constantly on autopilot. And so I feel like a part of overthinking is that pattern of being um, overthinking and then overthinking about our overthinking. I mean, it just mm-hmm. becomes a vicious cycle. You have to, I mean, there's a lot of great tips and tricks for that. I mean, meditation is something I always suggest. And 
a lot of my clients are She's like, oh, I meditate. People I hate meditation <laughs> because they don't understand what it's about. Mm-hmm. And it's not about not thinking about anything. That's impossible. Your brain is always thinking. Yeah. But what it's about is getting control over the thoughts and not being so wrapped up in them because they're just thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have, what do they say? I don't even know how they put a number on this. You're going to have like maybe 65,000 plus thoughts a day. Oof. Largely, wow. a lot of those are on repeat from yesterday yeah. and years before. And largely, so many of those are not even true. Mm-hmm. Because where do your thoughts come from? Are they even, this is the question I have a lot of clients work on and start to think about. Again, this is an unlearning. Where did you learn those thoughts about yourself or about the world or about people in your life. Mm-hmm. Are they your thoughts? Are they from family? Did you hear overhear someone say that and you ran with it? I mm-hmm. mean, they come from somewhere. True. They're not always yours. Huh. That's good. Interesting. Good I mean, about. it is interesting that you, I mean, when you say unlearning, you yeah. know, it, it is difficult to kind of think of, think of that. Yeah. But it, it is kind of like, you got to check yourself. Cause I know we, we try to talk about, you know, uh-huh. self-reflection and yes. why do I do this? And like, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. But it is kind of, you know, sitting with that for a second and mm-hmm. being like, okay, why am I the way I am? Why did I react like this? Mm-hmm. Um, the one time that we were talking about the one situation that really upset me. Yeah. Like, why did I get so triggered? Yeah. Like, where does that come from? And then acknowledging that and then going forward. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things was I had a moment like that too. And you, not that you called me out on it, but you're like, why is this bothering you so much? And it was great to take a step back and reflect on myself. So that's great for friends to do as well if you don't have your therapist there. There's a saying in therapy that if it's, hysterical, Mm -hmm. it's historical. Mm -hmm. So if you are being triggered per se, or Mm -hmm. you are really, really upset and the level that you're upset kind of seems a lot bigger than the situation Mm -hmm. that's considered hysterical. And that's then historical, meaning that comes from a childhood wound. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. something that is deep, deep, deep. So that's the moment to just kind of like, wow, what (laughs) is going on with me that I am this irate over this thing. Yeah. So this brings me to our another question that we got from Instagram. And we'll just wrap up with this one. Yeah. So I guess are daddy issues a real thing? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I would I say it. all issues are a real thing. Okay. I mean, for me, I would say, you know, for my personal history, yeah, my... My dad checked out of my life when I was two. I would definitely say I have, (laughs) but I would definitely call that, you know, daddy issues. There's a level of insecurity when this, when one of your family of origin caregivers checked out of your life, that creates, you know, a certain level of insecurity for sure. Um, anytime that you have a parent, whether mother or father that, you know, you didn't feel like you were good enough for them or they didn't want you or whatever it was, mm-hmm. it's going to create issues for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting food for thought. I love it. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been great. On today's yeah. episode. Thank you. And look forward to some more episodes in the future. Yeah. And if y'all thanks have any for having me. Yeah. Just let us know. All right. We'll keep running tally. But honestly, guys, if you are looking at a therapist or, you know, want some more tips on that, feel free to message Sarah and I. Neither of us are judgmental. Very open Um, about it. Very open about it. And, you know, we're here to be your support system too. So have a great week. Have a good one. Bye.